Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Kim Trade Logistics Income Fund Q1 2021 Results Conference Call. At this time, our participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand today's conference over to your speaker today, Rohit Bhagwaj, Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, good morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us today, albeit virtually. Uh, also joining me today is our CEO, Scott Rook. Uh, we are, however, in different uh, locations. This morning, I will review the Q1 2021 results, after which Scott will follow up with remarks on the current state and outlook for the business. Uh, following that, we will have our Q&A session. Before I start on the Q1 results, I would like to remind you that our presentation contains certain forward-looking statements that are based on current expectations and are subject to a number of uncertainties and risks, and actual results may differ materially. Further information identifying risks, uncertainties and assumptions, and additional information on certain non-IFRS measures referred to in this call can be found in the disclosure documents filed by ChemTrade with the securities authorities available at CDAR.com. One of the non-IFRS measures that we refer to in this call is adjusted EBITDA, which is EBITDA modified to exclude only non-cash items such as unrealized foreign exchange gains and losses. For simplicity, we will refer, we'll just refer to this as EBITDA as opposed to adjusted EBITDA. Both these terms are fully defined in our MDNA. Also as a reminder, since ChemTrade falls under the essential business classification under US state and Canadian provincial orders, all our operations have continued during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our highest priority has been our employees' health and safety. By following the measures we implemented, our employees have ensured that we can continue to work safely and supply our customers. Given the challenging circumstances created by the pandemic, our measures have been largely effective. I want to start this call by again thanking each member of our workforce for their dedication and outstanding performance during these trying times. Our first quarter results reflect the ongoing matters that we referred to in our last call. While we are starting to see some improvement from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're still dealing with the effects in some of our businesses. As we have previously mentioned, COVID-19 has not had a significant impact on the water solutions business. However, we continue to see an impact on some of our other products, including regen, merchant sulfuric acid, sodium chlorate, and hydrochloric acid, or HCL. Starting with the aggregate results for the first quarter of 2021, revenue was $312.4 million, a decrease of $54.5 million from 2020, which was relatively unaffected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The decrease in revenue for the first quarter was primarily due to lower sales volume of acid in the sulfur products and performance chemicals or SPPC segments, lower sales volumes of sodium chlorate, and lower selling prices for caustic soda in the electrochem or electrochemicals or EC segment and lower sales volume of water solutions products and phosphorus pentasulfide of P2S5 in the water solutions and specialty chemicals or WSSC segment. The stronger Canadian dollar relative to the US dollar had a negative impact on revenue of about $12.5 million. Consolidated EBITDA of $55.4 million was $25.5 million lower than Q1 2020. This is due to higher corporate costs and lower EBITDA by the operating segments. EBITDA for the first quarter of 21 was negatively affected by approximately $2.8 million due to the severe winter storm experience in the U.S. and by $2.6 million due to the stronger Canadian dollar. As a reminder, every one cent of increase in the Canadian dollar per U.S. dollar is expected to reduce annual EBITDA by roughly $2 million and distributable cash 
by $1.1 million and vice versa. Shifting now to the individual segment results for the quarter, SPPC generated revenue of $92 million compared with $113 million in the same period of 2020. The reduction in revenue is mainly attributed to lower sales volumes for asset products and by the stronger Canadian dollar. The DAF for the period was $28 million, which was $6.7 million lower than 2020. The reduction in EBITDA was due to the impact of lower sales volumes of ultra-pure, regen, and merchant cupric acid. The stronger Canadian dollar had a negative impact of roughly $1.3 million. The SPPC segment continued to be affected by the COVID-19 pandemic uh, relative to, the, to Q1 2020, which was largely unaffected. Regen refined utilization rates continue to remain low at the beginning of Q1 this year, to the stay-at-home orders in some regions of North America. Ultra-pure asset sales volumes were lower due to major customers shifting their demand to competitors. We are making progress, regaining the lost ultra-pure asset volume, and are confident we will be back to previous levels in the next 12 to 18 months. The WFSE segment reported first quarter revenue of $98.8 million compared with $113.3 million in 2020. The decrease was primarily due to lower sales volumes of water solutions products and specialty chemicals resulting from the severe winter storm in the U.S. that disrupted our operations as well as those of some of our customers. EBITDA decreased to $21.8 million from $25.7 million in Q1 2020, $3.9 million lower for the period. Although the water treatment chemicals business has been relatively unaffected by COVID-19, we saw some reduction in demand in Q1 2021 compared to 2020 due to the unusually strong demand at the end of Q1 2020 as customers built their inventory levels in advance of stay-at-home orders. P2S5, which is used in automotive, automotive lubricants, was down as Q1 2020 was unusually strong. In addition, demand for P2S5 has been affected by reduced automotive manufacturing and driven miles. Our EC segment reported first quarter revenue of $121.7 million compared with $140.5 million in 2020. The lower revenue was primarily due to lower sales volume for sodium chlorate and lower prices for caustic soda and for HCL. EBITDA for the period was $27.2 million compared with $32.9 million in 2020, a decrease of $5.8 million. Sodium chlorate margins were lower due to a continued COVID-19-related reduction in demand as people are still not fully back working in the office and schools are not fully reopened, resulting in reduced consumption of printed paper. <clears throat> the Northeast Asia spot price during Q4 2020 um, was lower than Q4 2019, resulting in lower selling prices of the plastic soda. More recently, spot prices have been significantly higher, although it's important to note that there's generally a quarter lag in pricing and that the index is denominated in US dollars. Excluding unrealized foreign exchange gains, corporate costs in the first quarter were $9.1 million higher than 2020. Several items contributed to the higher costs, primarily accruals under the long-term incentive plan or LPIP that were $11.1 million higher than the first quarter compared to 2020. As you have said previously, the LPIP is subject to volatility based on the unit price changes, and during Q1 2020, there was a $5.6 million reversal of accruals as unit price was falling. Whereas in the first quarter of 2021, accruals were being increased by $5.5 million as unit price was rising. Additionally, the former CEO's retirement in Q1 resulted in additional accruals of $3 million. And finally, the company settled the remaining antitrust lawsuits close to the amount reserved and recorded an additional $1 million in expenses. These higher expenses were partially offset by $4.7 million of government grants, grants claimed during Q121. Maintenance capex in the first quarter was $8.2 million compared with $11 million in 2020. While we are able to uh, complete all critical work needed to ensure our sites remain liable, Activities continue to remain limited with travel restrictions and stay-at-home orders in certain parts of North America during the first quarter. We anticipate 2021 maintenance capex to be between $75 million and $80 million. Turning to our balance sheet during the first quarter, we completed an equity offering of 9.8 million units 
that grazed $70.1 million in gross proceeds. We used the cash generated from the offering to pay down debt on the campus existing credit facilities and for general trust purposes. We continue to maintain ample liquidity with US $241.9 million undrawn on our US $850 million credit facility. We are in compliance with all our bank covenants and there are no debt maturities until late in 2023. After the end of the first quarter, we negotiated another credit amendment to extend the higher covenant levels we had negotiated last year for another year. The higher covenant levels have now been placed throughout 2022 and phased out during 23. Due to the ongoing uncertainties with COVID-19 pandemic, we are still not ready to give earnings guidance, but additional detail, details can be found in the management discussion and analysis section of the quarterly report. Once economic conditions normalize and visibility is improved, we'll commence issuing formal guidance again. I'll now hand the call over to Scott for some comments on the long-term outlook for Cambridge business. Scott? Thank you, Rohit. Good morning, and thank you to everyone that's joining us for today's call. I hope you are all doing well and staying safe. Before I get started, I would like to first thank all of the Chemtrade employees for their hard work and dedication during the first quarter of 2021. <clears throat> we continue to operate our site safely during these difficult times, and that is a reflection of the commitment of our employees. Turning now to our outlook. Due to the economic uncertainty that we face from COVID-19, we're still not able to predict the key elements necessary to provide meaningful guidance. As Rohit mentioned, Q1 2021 presented challenges for our business on a number of fronts. COVID-19 continued to have an impact on our SPPC and our EC businesses. Additionally, the Gulf Coast cold weather impacted not, not only so, several of our locations, but also several of our customers and raw material suppliers. Finally, Rohit quantified our sensitivity to the U.S.-Canadian exchange rate, and this is a factor when comparing 2021 results with 2020. As we look ahead, we see improved performance, particularly in the second half of 2021, and we see continued strengthening in 2022, particularly in the SPPC and electric end businesses. Chemtrade is well positioned to benefit from a resurgence in demand across many products as we move closer towards a post-COVID recovery. As mentioned, our earnings are impacted by the exchange rate. However, the impact is reduced at the cash level. In the next few years, our strategy will be to deliver earnings growth driven by three factors. They are, number one, a market recovery from post-COVID-19, two, organic growth coming from ultra-pure acid, our water business, and hydrogen. And number three are operational efficiencies driven through productivity and reliability initiatives. We anticipate that the second half of this year will start to improve, and as we move closer towards a post-COVID recovery, Chemtrade is well positioned to benefit from a resurgence in demand. We also expect all of our key plants to operate well through the year with no atypical turnarounds planned. Turning now to our outlook by business segment, in the water solutions segment, we expect to have another good year with stable demand, similar to 2020 and largely unaffected by COVID. The industry is, however, seeing significant increases in the cost of raw materials, particularly in sulfuric acid due to the rising costs for sulfur. In the short term, spikes in raw materials can result in reduced margins as it takes some time to pass these on to customers. We are confident in our ability to eventually pass these on to customers. Despite these short-term headwinds, this is an attractive segment for us, and there are some long-term organic growth opportunities driven by tighter government regulations and population growth that are creating a need for more specialized products. In the SPPC business, Regen and merchant sulfuric acid will, will depend on higher North American refinery utilization and industrial activity. Stay-at-home orders in parts of the United States and Canada at the beginning of 2021 had a negative impact on the refining industry. As restrictions continue to be eased, we expect full-year refinery rates to be higher than in 2020. We also expect that driving miles 
in 2022 should be back to 2019 levels. In April, U.S. highway traffic data climbed above pre-pandemic levels for the first time since the start of the pandemic. We expect this to continue as vaccinations are increasingly administered in the U.S. Merchant acid is also expected to improve with higher demand for metals, fertilizers, and other industrial out output. For now, however, we anticipate 2021 volumes to be similar to 2020. We expect that the significant spike in the cost of sulfur will be offset by higher selling prices for sulfuric acid. Our ultra-pure sulfuric acid that mainly supplies the semiconductor industry has faced some short-term headwinds. One of our large end customers decided to obtain acid from an alternate source at the end of last year. We shifted our capacity to supply a, a, another large semiconductor customer. Additionally, in the second quarter, we, we began resupplying the customer that moved away, although not in the same quantity as the prior year. We believe demand for ultra-pure acid will continue growing in the U.S., and the mid- to long-term outlook for ultra-pure remains very positive for us. We are, <clears throat> we are actively pursuing new business with both, uh, with both new and existing customers. However, given the nature of this product and stringent quality specification, it will take time to fully replace the loss volume. We have invested in capital upgrades to ensure we continue to meet the stringent quality requirements of the industry. The long-term fundamentals for the semiconductor industry are strong, with leading foundry and integrated manufacturers recently announcing U.S. expansion plans. The new U.S. administration is focused on supporting the domestic chip manufacturing industry. We think there are strong fundamentals for this business with current U.S. demand for ultra-pure sulfuric acid exceeding domestic capacity. Shifting now to the EC business and our chloral alkali product line. This, <clears throat> this business saw the steepest decline over the past two years, resulting from near record low caustic soda prices, coupled with low fracking activity in North America. In the first quarter, we are seeing some early signs of improvement across the business that give us confidence for the next several years. Caustic soda global demand is forecasted to increase by 8% this year, driven by aluminum for automotive and infrastructure projects, as well as growing usage in lithium production. There is minimal new supply slated to come online. Taiwan contract pricing, which historically has been a leading indicator for Northeast Asia spot pricing, is starting to move higher. So we believe the trough is behind us, and the market fundamentals will continue to improve over the next several years. Most recently, Northeast Asia caustic soda prices have significantly appreciated and are at a level not seen since 2019. Our North Vancouver plant is expected to operate at a higher level in 2021 than in 2020 when we had our biannual maintenance turnaround. Demand for hydrochloric acid has started to improve as oil pricing has recovered, resulting in additional fracking activity, particularly in Western Canada. We also anticipate improvement in demand for chlorine, driven by strong demand for PVC and bleach, in addition to capacity rationalization in the U.S. Sodium chlorate demand in North America will continue to be affected by the extent of school closures and people working from home during the pandemic reduces paper demand, leading to lower demand for pulp production. As, <clears throat> as schools and offices reopen, demand for sodium chlorate should recover, but likely will not resume back to historic levels. Given our current customer mix, we expect our sales in 2021 to be lower than 2020. We have two pulp mill customers who have shut down over the past six months. We expect realized selling prices in 2021 to be lower than 2020 to, due to expectations of a stronger Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. And over time, we expect to recover the impact of the currency exchange as well as rising costs of production. Finally, we are also exploring a number of growth opportunities in the hydrogen market. 
sodium chlorate and to a lesser extent coral alkali produce hydrogen as a co-product. Our manufacturing sites use hydroelectric power, so we're actually generating green hydrogen. In Q1, we announced a deal for one of our small chlorate plants that requires no capital investment from Chemtrade and will start to have a will start to have significant returns starting in five years. The big opportunity for hydrogen is at our Brandon, Manitoba facility, and that's about five times the size of the Prince George facility. We are investigating ways to develop that hydrogen stream in a commercially marketable green hydrogen product. So in summary, looking forward, we anticipate we will deliver growth in earnings as the market improves with COVID recovery. Commercially, we will focus on our organic growth opportunities and ultra-pure water and hydrogen to capitalize on our current business opportunities. Operationally, we will continue to focus our efforts on productivity and reliability. These initiatives will be the key to our success. Thank you. And Rohit and I will now be glad to take any questions. Thank you. As a reminder, if you would like to ask an audio question, Please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. And your first question is from the line of Ben Isaacson of Scotiabank. Thank you very much. Um, first question is on the chlorine shortage. Uh, can you talk about how that is impacting your business, how you run your plants, uh, conversion rates to hydrochloric acid, et cetera? Sure. So, um, we have seen a um, well. We are seeing a shortage in the in the chlorine market, and so therefore increased chlorine demand for us. In our MDNA, we called out that we see uh, that, that we're running higher rates at our coral alkali facility, and the we are running at a rate of 190,000 BCU, and so that's a reflection both of more demand for chlorine uh, and HCl. And since caustic soda is a byproduct, um, therefore, well, we are able to sell caustic as well. Um, second question is, uh, thank you for the update that you gave on uh, semiconductors. Just one question on that. Um, because of the backlog, is, is there a backlog in demand for ultra-pure acid with you right now, or is it really just lost sales until uh, we start to see some of the bottlenecks uh, improve? Uh, and then maybe a second part to that, what is your ultimate goal in terms of where you want to be with ultra-pure acid? All right. So um, there, we do not have a current backlog. We are, we are seeing increased demand for our, our ultra-pure and we're able to meet that that uh, demand, and we see, well, we see this uh, this growing. Uh, uh, and what's our ultimate uh, goal? We want to be the we want to uh, remain the primary uh, supplier of ultra pure acid in North America and be the the market leader in North America. But I think it takes up what twenty five percent of your. Um of your asset is ultra pure. Is that something you could eventually uh, uh, hope to get towards 50%? Well, I think uh, so. The way it works is um, we already de-bottlenecked and did some capacity expansions previously. So it's not as uh, straightforward as just you know converting one into the other. You really have to you know the next step of the next step change will have to be additional capacity that you'd have to install. It's not that it's not like HCL and chlorine where you can just turn a, a tap and go one way or the other. Alcatel requires its own infrastructure that needs to be invested in. So, you know, it would be, and from a volume basis, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we sell more than a million tons of merchant sulfuric acid. Alcatel, you're talking about, you know, less than 10% of that is kind of the, the overall U.S. market. So it's really not a volume game. It's really a question of, making the investment in, in the purification and the downstream uh, part of our uh, And then just last question for me, can you just remind us where you stand right now on leverage? Uh, what is your target and uh, how long do you think it'll take to get to that target? So we, we, look at it in, we look at it in three different ways. So the first way we look at it is we obviously don't want to be crimped from a covenant perspective. So we always try and be well ahead of that and, and ensure there's a lot of room between our covenant and our senior debt. Um, then in, in terms of our targets, we have two targets. One is total debt to EBITDA, which includes our convertible debentures. 
and our longer-term target rates be below four, and on our bank senior bank debt, our longer-term target is to be below three and potentially even two and a half. So the way they're going to get there is really by you know two, two things. One obviously is the earnings growth, which has the, the biggest impact on on the leverage ratio. And secondly, as we do start to get back to those levels of earnings, we've also used that excess cash flow between some organic growth and the balance going towards debt reduction. So it will, you know, it will take uh, to, to get to those levels. You're looking at, you know, two to three years, and depend upon how strong the recovery is. That's great. Thank you very much. Welcome. Your next question is in the line of Joel Jackson with the BMO Capital Market. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'll, I have a few questions I'll, I'll ask one by one. Um, if you look at SUBC, it's been, I think, eight quarters in a row of year-over-year sales decline. You have a bit of currency headwind now. Um, when would you expect that business like, for revenue to turn to where getting a year-over-year comp? Like, in, in Q2, should we expect continued sales decline, year-over-year decline, and could we get to you know, growth year over year by the end, by the second half? So I, I'll answer, so, I think, yeah. sorry, I could go, uh, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, Joel, um, <clears throat> uh, we are seeing, well, um, we will see, and I feel confidence that the second half of this year uh, in the SPP segment it is going to be, well, it's certainly going to be stronger than, than the first half of, of, of this year. Um, we would, uh, you know, what, what we saw in this business was, uh, was late in Q1 of last year and in Q2, a very large drop-off um, in, in refining rates in North America. We saw some pickup in Q3 and, and Q4, uh, but then in Q1 of, of this year, refining rates, particularly out on the West Coast, dropped off due to the stay-at-home orders. So we, uh, we, we saw a, another drop. In the in West Coast um, after Q1, but uh, but we're we're seeing that pick up, and so as we I, I feel I feel that Q2 of this year is going to be stronger than Q1, and then Q3 we see it, you know even even more demand, uh, and it looks like 2022 um, from miles driven is certainly going to get uh, close again to uh, 2019 levels. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, and um, when would you expect then the next question, WSSC, uh, you have a bit of, um, you, had a, you had a tough comp or in Q1 of 2020. Uh, when would you expect WSSC to also turn back to growth? Now, you've got, you've got to be able to pass through some of the inflation, uh, some of the cost of inflation, but a similar question, when would you expect WSC to turn to growth again? So, so Joel, uh, go ahead, Rohit. So I was just going to say that um, so there's this short-term spike in sulfur that we've seen, uh, you know, from the start of the year, it's up, uh, you know, uh, it's tripled and in, 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 in almost tripled. So in the short term, that's that's a challenge because uh, municipal businesses, annual contracts, I mean, they do come up throughout the year, but, they, but it does take time to reset those. But as you will know from the experience in 2020, where our water was up you know, over $20 million from the year before, is that once you get past that initial spike in raw material costs, you actually do have higher margins you know, for, for a period of time. So we fully expect that uh, 22 is, uh, is going to be uh, you know, quite strong for the, for the water business. So, Joel, just to add on to that, if, if I can, um, recall that, again, as Rohit mentioned, 2020, was a, was a very strong year of growth for the WSSC business, greater than $20 million uh, higher. And, and so there, there's, there's underlying market growth 
you know, demand growth as well as uh, as pricing and the impact of raw materials. And so this business is definitely impacted by um, by the big run up uh, in sulfur and sulfuric acid prices. Um, with well, many of our customers are municipal uh, cities, and uh, and so and our agreements with them these are public uh, publicly available things. They're annual uh, contracts, and so as those contracts expire, and they they expire uh, throughout the the year, so there's a rolling basis of the, of these contracts, and as those contracts roll off, um, the new ones would would reflect uh, the higher raw material costs. So would that mean you would expect in those contracts, like would you expect the worst of the inflation to happen kind of middle of this year? Um, so we're still progressing through Q2, Q3, and as again to Q4 and early next year and things are refreshing, then you can start to get the pass-through? So Joel, there'll be two. One, one is to see how the Tampa index or sulfur uh, evolves through the year because if you follow it historically, which obviously we have, it, it can be very volatile. It can go up and down pretty violently, and so to, uh, so we have to you know we have to see what happens in Q3 and Q4 for sulfur. If Tampa sulfur stays where it is, then you're absolutely right. But by you know as we get into rolling into next year, we will start to have it fully priced in, and then obviously the you know typically when that goes down, you hang on to the pricing for some period of time with extended margins. So, but it's difficult to answer your question without knowing where sulfur right. is going to go because you know, that's, that's the key factor. Okay, thanks for the helpful guide. So my final question would be, it looks like the payout ratio this year is going to be plus or minus about 100%. So would you agree with that assessment? And then, you know, Scott, Rowett, um, is it time to reconsider the distribution again? Or do you think at this top part of the cycle, uh, you have enough cushion and it's still working? Yes, so we are uh, no, we are uh, uh, we are comfortable. We are comfortable, and our board is comfortable with the with the distribution um, where it is. And look, we're we're thinking about this business in terms of where we want to be two and three years from now. And and you know, as I talked about, we have a we have a, a plan uh, to grow our earnings, and that's going to come from market recovery, organic growth, and our operational uh, objectives. And we feel. We feel confident and comfortable with the distribution where it is. Would you agree that payouts about 100% this year, give or take? Well, I don't think we want, we, we've decided not to give guidance, and I don't think we want to be that precise with, uh, with where we think uh, 21 is going to be. But I, I think the bigger question is, even if that were true, um, I think Scott's remarks are, are still there. So, so, so from a distribution policy perspective, I don't think. 21 payout ratio is, 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 a, is a big variable. Uh, Thank you very much. Your next question is on the line of Steve Henson with Raymond James. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, morning. A couple for me, if I may. Uh, Rohit, uh, first one's on the corp costs. Uh, pretty noisy period. Um, can you just give us a sense for the run rate we should expect it going forward? Should it be more normal through the balance of the year on, on corporate outlook? Yes, so the normal run rate should be around, you know, roughly $17, $18 million or, you know, in that range per quarter. Um, LTIP is, you know, we really have a hard time predicting LTIP because it's very sensitive to, to movements uh, in the unit price. So my remarks are more on a normal LTIP, you know, basis, which should be in that range. Uh, we don't really expect... So we had, you know, obviously had the CEO retirement that's done. We had uh, uh, some government grants that we, we booked. Uh, they, you know, there's a lot more to book in this year. So I, I, when I look ahead, I really don't see a lot of unusual things in the rest of the, the, rest of the year other than, uh, you know, the output, which is hard for us to predict. Okay, that, that's helpful. Um, just turning to Electricam for a moment, uh, I think you've mentioned twice that the rates were higher, and, and I apologize, Scott, I missed it, but I think you, you might have mentioned a rate where you're running currently in North Vancouver. So can you just maybe give us a sense for where that rate is today and how far we need to go to get back to capacity uh, over what time frame? Just just give us a sense for how that business is going to uh, start to recover here. Sure. So um, so that business, we we uh, we 
talked about and we uh, and we mentioned in our MDNA uh, that we have moved uh, the, the production up to 190,000 MCU. So last year we shared uh, that the rates were 155, roughly thousand MCU. Right, and so that that's a we we produce chlorine molecule. We we produce uh, caustic. Um, so that plant for us could do uh, uh, that. That's that's um, we could do five or ten percent more on that um, more volume coming out of, of that plant. Uh, then we get into turnaround schedules and that type of thing. Um, but for us, so there, there's there's more volume that a little more volume that's available uh, for us, but it's primarily uh, price. And so the the price appreciation that we're that we're beginning to see right now is on caustic soda, and we've we've talked a, a lot about that. We are we have also seen in, increases in chlorine. Um, and we're we're beginning to, to see increases in HCL. And so, uh, another comment: uh, we have uh, we have options for the chlorine molecule as we look at it. And we can, we, with that chlorine molecule, we, we can sell it as chlorine, or we could sell it as hydrochloric acid. And then our margins <clears throat> our margins depend on whether it's it's HCL or chlorine, and as well, as well as how far we have to move it. And so, uh, for us, our preference would would be to uh, to you know for, for not to move it very far because the longer we, we move it, the, the more it costs. Um, so you know we're better off if we can sell HCL in Western Canada. That's uh, that's the best thing for us and the most profitable. Um, and but then the, again, the farther away we have to move it, uh, is is a is a drop in margin for us. Understood, helpful. And so, just just to follow on that question, then, if, if there's optionality in that molecule, is that a decision point that you're going to be yeah, executing at some point? I'm trying to understand. I, I know you you shifted uh, your production base last year to offset some of the volatility we've been seeing in the market. Yeah, we, but are, are you contemplating a shift back? Is that the question? Well, yeah. So, uh, so back in 2017 and 18, um, the uh, uh, oil prices were were relatively high. We're, we're actually close to those uh, oil prices right now, uh, but but rig counts uh, across North America North America um, were over a, a thousand rigs, and so there was very there was very strong demand for HCL, particularly in Western Canada, and so we're we're watching that, and with uh, with higher oil prices now. We're uh, we're really just beginning to see the rig counts move up, and you know you can you can see those just as easily as we can. Um, there's been a small bump up in, in rig counts, um, but if oil uh, if oil stays where, where it is, we're watching it very closely, and uh, and we're thinking that uh, that rig counts will go up, in, in particularly in Western Canada. So look, our, the the best thing that we could do is uh, is to sell you know, a, a lot of, of HCL in Western Canada, and that's a very good thing for us. Um, but right now, we, we can we can sell all of the chlorine molecule, and so that's good. Um, but for now, it, it's a question of uh, of optimizing um, optimizing the, the product mix. Very helpful. Thank you. Your next question is on the line of David Newman of Dischardian. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Thanks for the detailed run through. I really, uh, really appreciate that. Uh, just kind of digging down a little bit more near term, term, not to be myopic about it, but if we're kind of looking out on the um, water chemical side uh, in terms of the compression that we might see in margins, should we go back to that period, uh, you know, I guess a year and a half ago, two years ago, when you had a little bit of compression at that time for the same reasons and use that as kind of the example for looking out into this year, maybe a couple quarters where you have margin pressure and then then recovery sort of thing? Or what's, what's your view on how we should be thinking about how we build that out? Yeah, so I think uh, the last time there was a, you know, there was a pretty big run-up in both acid and aluminum. And since then, we have made quite a few changes in the business. So we... So it shouldn't be as severe as, as what occurred back then because there have been other changes in the business, but 
I mean, you can use that as your starting point and then don't go as, as far as, as that. Now, again, okay. this is, sorry, uh, I should point other subject to what continues to happen with the Tampa Index for social for the next couple of quarters. Huh? Okay, and what about aluminum? It's starting to move up as well. So is that, are you seeing that beginning to factor in or no? Yeah, we do tend to uh, buy, you know, we tend to carry a fair bit of inventory of that, so we will be sheltered for a period of time, but at this stage, it's not as big of uh, a factor. Okay, and and then going over to back to caustic, um, yeah, I think your your guidance is now twenty dollars lower uh, versus twenty twenty was forty dollars lower. So if I kind of build that out, it looks like it's what you're calling for a U.S. two twenty per metric ton, and the current prices are certainly well above that in Northeast Asia. So are you just being conservative about the caustic soda or? And, and when should we start to really see that kick in? It's the three-month lag, so I, could, I have to think that Q2 is kind of where you start seeing some dividends there. So Q, probably more Q3, I, I would say. Q2 is, was still based on what was happening in Q1. There's some appreciation going on, but wasn't that much. And the other thing to keep in mind is that the Northeast index is the U.S. dollar index, so there's a bit of a, you know impact on the, on the exchange as well. Um, Okay, and then on HCL, your, your burn rate was, I think, in the 20s, and you and you guys had sort of like pushed some out for industrial production because you had no other uh, outlet for it, and now we've got energy coming back and the fracking and the rig counts and all that beginning to slowly recover here. What's your plans in terms of the actual burn rate? You're, you obviously, I think, Scott, you flagged that you know, you'd like to see um, hydrochloric acid in Western Canada. So what is your plan for stepping up the burn rate in, in North Van? Well, look, uh, we would um, – what's the plan? Our, our plan would – our plan is to, is to move as much HCL uh, into Western Canada as we can. That is – that's what we – and so what do we think that that's going to be? Um, I think that's, that's going to – that's going to slowly creep up from where it is right now, just as rig counts increase in Western Canada. Uh, to, to be frank, I mean that that's what it's going to be. Um, you know, we would uh, we would I'd like to see that that's going to be maybe 30% uh, second half of, of this year, but but we'll see. That, that's it, yeah, it's so really for us. That's, that's it's hard to predict. So, uh, so 2019 we did about just under about 37% was converted into HCL. You look back in 2018, etc. We we're in the 40% range. Last year, we were in the low 20s. Uh, so, uh, but the, the thing to, to keep in mind is that we retain flexibility. So, if the fracking, you know, start recovers, we will not be, you know, missing that opportunity. We have, we can make these decisions on our daily, weekly basis, and we keep enough slack in our system that we can easily capitalize on the, uh, on the opportunity. So, it's that quick. It's that quick to adjust. Yes. Very good. And last one for me, guys. Um, just if you look at sodium chlorate, um, one of the things about the market in general is it's a rational oligopoly. And, you know, you know, to the extent that I'm, I'm sure you're waiting for everybody to go back to work and see how this really shakes out in terms of whether or not it's a hybrid model, people working from home, working in the office, or whatever the case may be on a number of organizations. But as everybody goes back to work, do you, do you sense that there could be amongst yourselves and your competitors, this, this laying up of capacity again at some point to kind of rationalize the market to the new secular trend? Well, look, it is um, right now, I would say, uh, right now that there, there's enough spare capacity in the market right now where uh, rationalization could take place. And I think that uh, so I think that we're going to we are certainly going to watch it as people go back to school and go back to the offices and to see the, the rate that uh, you know that people start using office paper uh, again. Um, the, the other thing to watch it is that uh, is that you know, we have we have had a couple of customers that have closed uh, and that where there the industry has seen pulp mills. That, uh, that we're producing office paper that have closed, and so we're, you know we'll be watching to see if uh, if demand picks up, if uh, if any of those customers decide to restart mills, 
and uh, and overall how much demand goes back, and then then for us we'll we'll, we'll make decisions um, as you know after that. Very good. Thanks, guys. Your next question is in the line of Nelson Ng with RBC Capital Markets. Great, thanks. Um, just a quick clarification for Scott. You mentioned the uh, two paper mill customers that, that have uh, shut down uh, their operation over the, over the past six months. Um, are they temporary, like shutdowns or temporary mothballs? And if demand picks up, they will reopen, or have they, or, or are they looking to kind of repurpose those mills longer term? Yeah, like uh, our understanding, um, our understanding right now is that the plan are those mills, um, are, those mills are going to stay closed. That that's we've asked that question, and our understanding is that the plan is that they will uh, that they will stay stay closed. That, you know, I'll say that uh, we've we've been given a caveat that it's that it's possible if demand were to really pick back up, uh, they could restart. And and I'll, uh, as I have asked uh, that question, I've been uh, I've been told about lumber mills and that uh, that there were that there have been a number of lumber mills that closed. And then with the with the big uh, increase in lumber right now, that uh, that mills have restarted. So. Um, but uh, but what, what I've been told is that those those mills, at least for uh, for the pulp mills that, that we're talking about, uh, they don't have any immediate plans to reopen. Okay, got it. Um, and then the next question relates to the wage subsidy. So, do you expect to receive the wage subsidies in Q2 and Q3? I I, I wasn't too sure like what the uh, requirements uh, were uh, from from your perspective. So we, we we should be able to claim a little bit in Q2, but frankly, what we claimed in Q1 this year was uh, beyond just you know what would have been uh, it included a catch up on, on on 2020 claims, so it is unlikely to be material. And then after Q3 and Q4, uh, they've extended it past June, but based on what we see right now, we don't think that's going to be a, a big factor for us. Okay, got it. And then um, just one last thing on UltraPure. Uh, you mentioned that there's uh, good demand, uh, kind of medium term and longer term, and you're still looking to kind of place the rest of the volume that you have from, from the, the customer loss. Like from, from your perspective, like if you're seeing a lot of growth in a few years' time, like the, and given that there is kind of lead time to, to grow your capacity, like does it make sense to start growing your capacity now? Because I think, Rohit, you mentioned that the small capacity additions have, and deballnecking has been done. Like, can you just walk us through like the cost and the process or the, the lead time to improve, uh, to increase capacity? And does it make sense to do that ahead of uh, selling out on your existing volumes? Yeah, so, um, okay. Um, so we're focused on with our ultra pure. There's two things going on. Um, the number one, uh, we're we're working to improve uh, our quality on our on our existing lines. And so as the as customers uh, as our customers are producing smaller node sizes, um, the the quality requirements in, increase significantly. And so we've been working with them, and we have we have plans, and we're spending capital to increase the the capacity, or I'm sorry, to increase the quality, so that our our products will be suitable for the for the, the what the market is looking for. Um, at the same time, we're looking at that demand over three to four to five years, and uh, and looking at uh, at when we're going to to need additional capacity. And uh, right, and so we are. We're looking at that, and and our plans right now say that two to three years from now, uh, we'll we'll probably need capacity. And so we're looking at that, and uh, and planning accordingly. Okay. Any color on the the uh, the costs or the investments required to, to improve uh, to improve the quality, and then if you were to improve capacity. So it depends on, you know, uh, a lot of it depends on where that capacity is added. One of the key things you need for ultra-pure acid is oleum that comes out of sulfuric acid plants. 
So clearly, you know, you would do it where you have that capacity. And then the other question for us is, do we uh, do this by ourselves? Do we partner with, uh, with somebody? Because in the end, this is a business where we do not go direct to the end customer uh, because we only supply one chemical into that business, whereas typically the portfolio of chemicals that goes in and generally some value-added people in the middle. So, so, so we really have to figure out whether we leverage partnerships, joint ventures, and, and, and or we deploy our own capital. And it's not just about the cost of capital, it's about expertise as well. So there are a few moving parts there. So we really can't give you a definitive answer, but we're def- very seriously looking at this because uh, the U.S. is going to, you know, significantly increase the production of chips and therefore demand for ultra acids. Okay, great. Thanks for the color. I'll leave it there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Once again, if you would like to ask an audio question, please press star 1. And your next question is from the line of Stephen Quay with National Bank. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I'm just calling... Um, for Andrew, uh, most of the questions I had have been answered. Uh, I may have missed this, but Rohit, could you just remind us about the uh, covenants, please? Uh, our bank covenants? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the bank covenants started this year off at five and a quarter, and we ended the year and ended the quarter below four, so there's a, a, a lot of room there. Plus, we just, uh, I don't know if it's up on SEDAR yet, but we did another amendment where we pushed out the step down through 22 and, and they get phased out in 23. So those those covenants will be up. If they're not up on SEDAR, they'll be up today or, or so. so you can, and we don't redact anything so you can actually see what the step downs look like. But we, we always like to have ample, ample room. Okay, great. And I uh, think you mentioned in the opening remarks, uh, I may have missed it, but... Um... You said uh, driving should be back to 2019 levels in 2022, but how, how did you see uh, April again? That's uh, what I missed there. So I think what Scott mentioned was the U.S. highway uh, traffic uh, data suggested that April highway traffic was back to pre-pandemic levels. So that, that was the comments on, on April. Okay, great. That's all my questions. Thanks. And at this time, there are no further questions. I'll turn the floor back over to the moderator for any closing remarks. Oh, well, uh, thank you for my side. And uh, Scott, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, I'd just like to thank everyone uh, for their time. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Bye. Thank you. This does conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect.